0: Hi everyone, my name is Pankaj Mishra and I'll be your host for the SaaS Boomi podcast. Over the next episodes, I'll be bringing deep conversations with SaaS founders, product builders, technologists, designers, investors and people who are shaping India's SaaS ecosystem. So stay tuned and keep listening. (laughs) really thrilled to be, you know, having this conversation with Abhinav Shashank, who is the co-founder of uh, InnoVaser. Abhinav, welcome to this conversation. Thanks, Pankaj. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. You know, uh, I know we've been trying to get on this uh, podcast for a while now, Abhinav, and uh, I just wanted to start by telling, uh, you know, the first time I heard about InnoVaser actually was in the context of some of the pivot's You you had done and uh, you know it was being told like a legend or something. So I said, "Wow!" I mean, and then I uh, dug deeper and and then learned about your product and uh, and the line that you use, for example, in your LinkedIn itself. Uh, The best way to create the future is to invent it, like uh, Bram Lincoln or Peter Drucker. uh, One of them said for sure. So so really thrilled, Abhinav. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just a little run up to. Uh, where you come from and how did you become an entrepreneur and then we jump right into the pivot story
1: yeah sure absolutely so um, studied uh, at IIT Kharagpur Uh, during my third year there was uh, this internship program that I had kind of uh, gotten luckily which was uh, this fortune 500 company wanting to do like uh, something for India by India uh, so they had a huge engineering center based out of uh, Bangalore uh, uh, and um, some uh, a small engineering center out of Chennai. And um, their project was basically that we would build something uh, ground up for uh, India. And uh, as an intern, I was basically allocated that project uh, to figure out like what are areas of the plethora of things uh, that the company did, what are areas that they could focus on and how could they basically create like a sustainable business um, Uh, in some way or form like in uh, India so I said um, uh, went and did that project sort of worked like um, uh, 24 hours uh, a day for uh, those two months created like a 400 page report uh, at the end of it like I don't think there was a McKinsey report on India that I had not read at that point Uh, uh, and uh, it just uh, seemed like uh, there is like so much that you can basically just do like in uh, every space that the company played in and that report got very high visibility in this fortune 500 company it went to the global ceo and uh, um, uh, they basically allocated um, 20 million dollars to basically go figure out like what we wanted to do so it was a startup within like a 500 company Um, and uh, i was basically hired sort of as the chief of staff of uh, uh, the person who was um, responsible for building out the india business of uh, in some way or form and um, i got to work on so many different things i worked uh, in bangalore to figure out like what the product roadmap uh, would Uh, Look like what are areas that we would uh, uh, think about? I worked in uh, Beijing, um, uh, Shanghai on like what the manufacturing of uh, some of these things would look like. Uh, I worked in Dallas, um, um, so basically between China, India, and um, uh, US, uh, worked across all three continents. And like uh, in three years uh, that I worked there, I um, sort of uh, learned so much about what it takes to build a business ground up. Now obviously it was sheltered within this huge fortune 500 company. And so uh, it was um, sort of like in a protected environment in some way or form. Uh, But it was just such uh, an exciting experience, like for the first uh, a few years of your um, uh, career. By the time I uh, left, uh, it was uh, already a $40 million revenue business. Uh, uh, and we had done everything from thinking about what the product would be to getting it manufactured, getting uh, through the supply chain, uh, uh, figuring out what the go to market motions would look like, uh, what the marketing uh, message would look like, and then basically running like sales operations uh, uh, per se. So it was just awesome. this fantastic experience that I had. And then I uh, thought that, okay, like, uh, now that we've kind of really learned uh, all of this, uh, is there a path to uh, doing it in some way or form like yourself? And that's what, like, uh, uh, when I met, like, um, Kanav again, he had gone for his master's in the U.S. He had just come back uh, uh, from the U.S. um, And we had tried, like, something uh, in, like, Kharagpur as well, which was how do you kind of really build this... uh, Boston Consulting Group equivalent in India and uh, uh, power it through like IIT professors and call it like uh, Khadakpur Consulting Group. <laughs> Not that it too well. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think um, the entrepreneurial spirit of actually going and building something on your own was always there. Uh, so we started off like at that point. Um, we i don't think we had a fair idea of like uh, what we would do there was this professor at the harvard business school that we were uh, like i was very deeply connected with uh, and he was trying to build this data platform for the business school uh, that how do we bring all of this uh, unstructured pieces of information together and we did mm-hmm. that and started doing that as an academic project uh, and like most things from harvard it got very high visibility and um, uh, like 65 of the top 100 research institutions basically used it, Stanford, MIT, uh, NASA, and a lot of them basically used uh, that platform. Wow. Um, And so we figured out that, okay, like this explosion of information um, that's kind of really happening, how do you kind of really manage that and the data management layer and opening that up for further innovation is going to be this big challenge, uh, which is where the name of the company came uh, from, like uh, Innovation Accelerator, merged into one innovator um, so so that's where we started it was uh, an incredible first few years um, we got to basically interact with probably like um, every professor across uh, like uh, top research and ins- uh, researcher across the world and we saw like this incredible amount of things that they were doing like we uh, worked through social media information. We worked through like um, huge strophes of financial information. And we got this like sense of what does a data platform kind of really look like. And then we mm-hmm. came back and met Rajan. Uh, and this was all done in Boston and like uh, traveling all across the U S uh, and we met Rajan Anandan from um, Sequoia at that point uh, uh, through like one of the connections uh, at Capillary. So the ecosystem in India software ecosystem was just burgeoning uh, and mm-hmm public capillary was the only big success um, uh, apart from Freshworks that was kind of uh, really on the scene in some way or form. So... Mm. Krishna and uh, Anish, both of them, like, went to Ayode Kharagpur as well. He They connected me to uh, Rajan. And, like, when we met Rajan, he was like, why don't you build it for the enterprise, uh, what you guys have been doing? Uh, and uh, I think a lot of them, Capillary Angels and uh, uh, Rajan came together and put together, like, a $1 million um, seed round for us to build a horizontal data platform uh, at that point. So that's... Where we started, this was like uh, end of twenty fourteen, early twenty fifteen. We set up a commercial organization, started building out like a horizontal data platform. That's how we started.
0: Wow, <laughs> what a what an amazing journey leading to entrepreneurship. You know. So, so I now let us look at the the core building blocks of innovation. Let us spend some time uh, on you know the the so called proverbial uh, product market fit, and 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 then pick each of your pivots and figure out how what happened and and what did you learn from them and and how and why did you keep pivoting but first uh, let let me understand the proverbial uh, product market fit and then get into the building
1: blocks yeah so i think the so you have to basically pick up themes as an entrepreneur right like our theme was basically uh, that we are going to create something in the data platform uh, uh, space uh, at at that point, we had conviction around the fact uh, that there is going to be an explosion of information. There is going to be like uh, a lot of data that p- uh, enterprises are going to generate and they will have no idea on how to kind of really manage it, uh, uh, And which is probably turned out like <laughs> as true as possible. Like when you see the Snowflake IPO, you realize that like the size and scale of uh, that phenomena is just like massive today and uh, and that's like uh, what we had as a st- uh, strong belief and we started building out this data platform uh, um, we've there was a lot of stuff that we did right so we've uh, as soon as we basically built it um, so 2014 uh, august is where uh, the first version of the product was ready and twen- uh, or, um or september and october i was basically in uh, new york and boston and san francisco selling Um, So we just basically went to like so many customers. I still remember those days, like we did not have like a a ton of money. So we were staying in like uh, all of these motels and like all of these places like across uh, um, uh, the US, figuring out like who is your friend who is doing a PhD here, uh, who you can basically like crash into. Uh, uh, And uh, and so uh, we did that for a good year or so before uh, we got like any large enterprise customers um, the first eight to nine months we had zero enterprise customers and then suddenly we got disney and then we got walters kluers and these were all fortune 500 companies like signing up like half a million dollar a year type deals with us uh, we got we actually got nasa as our first customer which was like wow. i think fantastic yeah. um i can't basically go into like details of what they did on the platform but uh uh, uh like uh nasa was uh, the first customer and like then we kind of really got uh um, walters disney and um li Lilly and a ton of um, uh, other customers and we got to in one year from that point we had gotten to like four million dollars of arr uh uh, so it was really fast growth, right? Especially for like 25, 26 year old people, right? Um, th- that is a lot of money to kind of really um, uh, manage and then figure out like, how do you kind of then keep growing that? Uh, now, one of the things that we had started realizing that uh, a horizontal data platform actually does not really solve deep problems. Uh, uh, people use it for science experiments across uh, uh, the uh, the company, but they don't really Take those and embed it into workflows and change business behavior um, uh, in general. And that was starting to kind of really become like a problem statement for us uh, because, like, you can run so many science experiments, but like, um, not really solve a problem deeply. That point, at that point, we met like uh, one of our customers. Like, uh, Direct uh, was our um, champion at. Um, this health system called Catholic Health Initiatives in the state of Iowa. Wow. Um, and um, he was trying to solve this problem of that healthcare information is so much more broken. And because of the siloed nature of information, we are not able to drive digital care uh, uh, to patients. Like, uh, just for context, America spends like $3.5 trillion uh, on healthcare every year. Yeah. Which larger than the size of um, uh, Indian economy right so yeah. in some way or form like um, American healthcare is larger than India right like it's the fifth largest economy if you were to uh, rate it like in that terms. so okay. uh, uh, and a lot of the challenge in the American healthcare ecosystem was the fact that uh, because of the siloed nature of like the patient data no one knew what was happening with the patient so if you would go to a doctor they would start looking at you as a fresh person uh, while like in everything else banking retail everywhere you kind of really go they have this continuous piece of information as a uh business on you uh in general so so that was like very amazing that the person that kind of really you're putting your life in the hands of that person, that person knows less about you than your retailer does. And, mm-hmm. and, and it was just like this moment in all of our heads that, okay, what is happening here? Why are these like guys doing things like this? And we got an opportunity to work on that problem with um, um, Catholic Health Initiatives. We thought it would be an easy problem uh, and uh, people just haven't gotten to it. But very quickly, we realized that this was like an in- Incredibly hard problem. This was end of 2016. We uh, realized that it would be like an incredibly hard problem to solve, and if you really wanted to solve it well, you have to basically focus 120 percent of your time and effort on this. So, so we have we were running at a four and a half five million dollar ARR mark. We said, okay, this is great. We've uh, built out a business. We know how to build out a business. We're still like 26, 27 years of age, uh, but this is a problem that we st- if we solve, it would be such a massive social impact uh, that we would be able to create. And so we said, like, we'll shut everything down. We shut down like the $4 million of ARR, uh, came uh, back to zero, zero. Frankly, like we had raised uh, $12 million of uh, Series A with Westbridge. um, uh, And Sumir and I still laugh about this, um, uh, that when you came to me and um, we had just raised the round and first board meeting i went to him and said that we are shutting all of uh the four million dollars that you valued us on uh, wow. it wasn't a fun board meeting in any way uh, <laughs> uh but um i think um it's just great to have investors around you who believe in the entrepreneur and the team uh rather than basically just uh like what is happening on the core metrics uh uh and um like we were lucky to have like um between Lightspeed and Westbridge uh, um, investors who basically said that, yes, that is exactly the right thing for you to do. Just go specialize in an area and become the market leader in it. So one thing that's very different in our approach in general, and that's been different, uh, that any area that we want to play in, we want to basically be the market leader in it. Like we are going to be Mm -hmm. the number one player in that space. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was incredibly clear uh, when we started uh, that we are not going to basically build An India version, global version, like none of that. We are just going to be like world number one at what we do. Uh, And um, and so when we pick this healthcare data platform thematic uh, and uh, that we are going to create this ubiquitous healthcare data platform, we knew from the get-go that, okay, we just have one customer today who pays us whatever, uh, but we are going to create like a a global market leader um, in the space. And over the last, three and a half, four years, we've gone from zero to $50 million in ARR, uh, probably the fastest growing digital health company by a stretch. Like uh, in all uh, uh, rankings, whether that's Gartner or Class or like uh, things that actually rate enterprise software, we are by far uh, the market leader in what we do. Uh, brilliant. Um, and, um, and I think like we're set up for a really good growth uh, structure we're growing like north of hundred percent year over year at this point uh i think if we execute well we should basically be in the hundred million dollar arr mark um, uh closer to somewhere uh, next year um and uh like hopefully by far be the leader in the space
0: wow let's talk a little more about the pivots abhinav so so this pivot clearly uh you know that that's shocking and at the same time so so, so well executed actually it, anything else that, that you did while you were building this
1: out uh, that offered great lessons? So so I think every step has basically been a, um, a lesson, uh, right? Like uh, people call America this great place for immigrants for a reason, right? Like uh, when we came here for uh, the first time, frankly, right? Like it was just all, it's hard, right? Like you un- understand, like as a 25-year-old, you've gone to a new country for the first time. Fr- frankly like none of us basically come from very wealthy backgrounds uh, mm-hmm. uh, right uh, um, it's all fairly like um, uh, my dad is a government officer we basically like uh, at we the time we basically bought a car was when i basically went to like college after that right so mm-hmm. like uh, the first Version of anything that was to do with uh, money came like uh, much, much later in life uh, for most of us, like who are uh, uh, founders at the company, right? Uh, um, And so there was no bank balance that you could kind of really draw uh, uh, from. And uh, so the first initial experience that we basically had, where we had to kind of really go and stay in these like, figure out like which friend can lend you a sofa and like how do you kind of really go and pitch to customers uh, and uh, like uh, at the night you're basically having this pizza and staying alive uh, in some way or form and in the morning you are in a global fortune 500 um, cio's office uh, presenting in this like uh, fancy way how do you kind of really like think of that, right, Um, and uh, execute on that was just such an amazing learning experience. Uh, um, And not that the first few ones actually went great, right? Like, you you understand, like, uh, I think most of the people in the room were thinking, like, uh, is this uh, the person who is going to be making the presentation or is this the person who is basically, like, the son of the person who is going to be making the presentation? Uh, uh, so, So it was, like, all these fantastic learning experiences that how do you kind of really uh, think about like going to global markets um, and um, really figuring out like new geographies and really figuring out new markets uh, and create and have the self-belief in some way or form that people will buy from you. Uh, And uh, over a period of time, like we figured out that, yes, like if you held that belief over a period of time, it's going to happen. And remember that this was basically the time where all around you, everyone was basically doing a consumer startup and uh, everyone was creating these billion dollar companies and you are basically struggling to sell like this one d uh, right? Uh, mm-hmm. At times you're basically thinking that, dude, like maybe I should have just done this like consumer tech thing uh, and created like a whole lot of like a billion dollar uh, company because all of your friends anyways are doing that. Uh, um, so, um, so it just uh, is that, conundrum that uh, frankly like if you have conviction in an area right that you can basically uh, like as an entrepreneur it's incredibly important to have that uh, that stay the course like um, have a team around you that basically sticks like uh, we've had like the founding team has basically, uh, fortunately for us, right, like uh, we've got like all friends um, uh, in the founding team. Like uh, all of us went to either school together or had our first jobs together. So so we share a lot more than like that we are executives at the company, right? Like it's uh, that common belief structure that we have to create something that's going to be like world leader and we are going to create it in our Uh, that like in our own way Uh, so if you have that set of people around you when there are going to when there are lows right and there are going to be so many of them like as an entrepreneur most of your days are lows Uh, there are only those elusive high points that you are living for uh, in some way or form Uh, uh, and and those highs just carry you for the all of the rest of the lows uh, uh, per se and You need this group of people around you to take any pivot, any direction change. And we've had so many of them, right? Like an academic platform to a data platform, a data platform to a verticalized uh, data platform to then basically becoming this whole suite of digital transformation products across um, uh, healthcare. It's been like quite a journey and uh, what you did initially, like... Isn't like close to what you're doing today, and with almost every entrepreneur who stays true to the fact that I'm just going to listen to one person, that's going to be the customer. They are going to see pivots happen, uh, and you should be very comfortable uh, with that happening because you're hearing to the right person, and that is your customer. Uh, uh, and And then be comfortable with that. Be comfortable with change because frankly, like your job as a founder is to navigate in some way or form ambiguity and chaos. Uh, And if you do that successfully over a period of time, you bring clarity and hopefully a lot of value creation along with it.
0: So that's quite visible, Avinam. A a follow-on question on on the pivots. Uh, You made a very, very important point about listening to the customers. Now, for a lot of entrepreneurs, People present themselves, you know, as uh, an opportunity, as a, a temptation, or sometimes a necessity, right? You can put them in any of these categories, depending who you are and where you are. Now, listening to customers can also be blinding at times or listening to anyone. Uh, and, and, and there is a way of entrepreneurship wherein, okay, no, I know what the customers want. Let's. I don't have to listen to them. Uh, for everything i'm building and there's another way of uh, listening to them so so how do you you know separate signals from noise with each of these pivots that you are talking about uh, is there something in particular that you have learned in terms of do's and don't uh, how to read the signals or how to believe have this belief that okay i will do it what are those signals?
1: So I think at every stage that differs, basically, Pankaj, right? Like uh, when you are very, very early in the life cycle of a company, right? Uh, um, Like keep a consistent theme that like you are wanting to build something big right? Like, uh, so addressable market, like people think of like as an entrepreneur, right? Like when you are early in the cycle, you think uh, total addressable market and TAM is something that investors just want to kind of really hear. Like frankly, like as we've matured over uh, uh, the few years that we've uh, done this, that is the single most important determining factor on who you are going to become. Like Mm -hmm. by far. Uh, So do not play in a category that is a small TAM. Like, it's just like a cardinal sin to play in a category that... Or, like, you can't be a venture-backed company in that. Not to say that you can't basically open the best gourmet fancy restaurant. You can do that, and it can be an incredibly successful um, uh, business, uh, but it's a lifestyle business. Uh, um, Large companies and uh, companies that are going to be global um, are going to be created in large TAM areas. Uh, uh, So for us, uh, the problem was not really, like... uh, uh, data platform is like a massively large TAM, right? So like, for us, the problem was not large TAM. It was actually narrowing it down a little bit that we can still play in this uh, uh, large TAM area, which is a healthcare data platform, but become category leaders. So the two principles that you can, uh, you should kind of really think about, right? Uh, that A, like is the area that we are kind of really playing in uh, uh, like a fantastically uh, amazing large uh, addressable market and the second can you really solve actual problems of customers in this area that in a way that no one else is basically solving Uh, um, um, so like for So just to contextualize it, right? Like how we thought about it uh, in, Mm -hmm. if you played a horizontal data platform, there were 500 companies that were kind of really doing it. So like uh, the chances of us becoming a Me Too company were incredibly large. There was the Hortonworks of the world. There were uh, Clouderas of the world, like everyone and Snowflake and like all of these, right? Which all of them could have said that we are basically going to be the data platform. So it was Mm -hmm. just... uh, do you think like you can compete and basically be different and add more value to your customers in a fundamentally different way? I think the answer to that was maybe, uh, Like we did not know how to do that very clearly. But when we kind of really shifted focus to healthcare and we saw the problem, there was a lot of context that you would have had to bring into uh, uh, the play. Like today, I don't think like a snowflake can compete with us or like a Cloudera can compete with us because of all of the context that we have basically built in healthcare uh, uh, in general. And the problems that we can solve uh, are so much deeper uh, uh, that customers basically generate incredible value out of uh, these things so if your customer is able to generate value and that's what i meant when i said like listen to your customer like i think it's all great to assume that uh, all of us are steve jobs frankly like it's hard for like (laughs) uh, um, (laughs) like uh, for you to basically be like uh, a steve jobs there are much simpler ways of building out a company uh, uh, like here, your uh, to your customers, and basically, if you think uh, what they are asking, you can basically build, and that can basically truly solve a problem for a type of customer for us, which was a health system, and we can replicate that at five thousand health systems across uh, uh, the U.S. and hundred thousand health systems across the world. That is a large stamp Like you can basically build a multi billion dollar company uh, out of that, and there is no one who can do it like if you put all of your technical brilliance in like uh, this area there is probably no one who will be able to do it better than uh, you so just focus like between tam like do not like go and target like a small segment right like that was our first problem when we thought about the academic data platform right Uh, the tam was like really small like universities will not pay you like uh, as much money Uh, and they don't have like these massive budgets on like uh, data platforms and things of that nature so that was a small TAM problem the second was actually like a very large TAM and how do you narrow it down to uh, to the place uh, where you can create category leadership so 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 those are the two vectors I think uh, in how you think about product market fit in any way address a large TAM figure out like go to the uh, largest pos- possible niche where TAM is large and you can be market leader.
0: So, so, so well said, and, and 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 I'm really glad you said what you said about the Steve Jobs thing because context is the key. Uh, I mean, a final couple of questions before we wrap up. Uh, you you are aware, and we are all watching. Uh, you know this new breed of startups in the data analytics and AI. Uh, field right, and even enterprises, uh, all of them have their dedicated programs. Now, I wanted to understand from you what are the do's and don'ts when you you are attempting to build uh, a data, uh, I mean, an analytics or uh, an ML uh, based product, uh, because it's all. You know, sometimes it all appears to be as a checkbox on pitch decks and all that. But in your experience of having worked in corporate and built a startup at this scale, what would be some of the do's and don'ts when someone is trying to build out a data analytics or an AI product?
1: So I think there are themes, basically, uh, Pankaj, right? Like, um, so at some point, uh, Mark Anderson basically say, uh, said that software is eating the world. Uh, right. And I think it was true, like uh, for a really long period of time, I think at this point, platforms are growing hungrier. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, so like a lot of the companies that you would see in succeeding in a big way, right? Like whether you think of about like an Atlassian, whether you think about like a, a snowflake, whether you think about Viva or Zoom and um, like most of these companies... Uh, are basically becoming like or Twilio for that matter right like are in inherently platforms uh, right like uh, uh, so the massive successes in the next few years are going to be platforms like these are going to be large companies on which like things are built in some way or fame. and what can you basically offer to like a developer or like someone who wants to build on top of your platform uh, as a capability. In our case, it's basically the healthcare context, healthcare data, healthcare uh, intelligence layers, All of these things, like we've opened all of that as APIs, we have like thousands of people uh, developing on top of um, our platform, some of them internal, some of them uh, at uh, uh, system integration companies, some of them like as core developers, right? So the experiences that we are able to deliver to our customers uh, is so much varied than what a point solution company uh, would kind of really uh, go ahead and do so i think this the next few years like if you are attempting to really build out um, a company uh, think about like how does this look like a platform driven uh, viewpoint right so even if you're basically approaching like an analytics and ai uh, uh, thematic right think of whether that's basically for an industry or a horizontal or a vertical, right? Like think of this uh, as can this be a platform of multiple things existing um, in some way or form in the future? Because if you really solve that problem in some way or form, like you're going to be this massively successful horizontal or verticalized uh, uh, company in the space. uh, But if you are going to be like a point solution in some of these things, it's going to be harder as you scale. You can still get like initial traction, but it becomes harder as you scale. Like if you think of the Freshworks uh, journey, right, they were fresh desk and then suddenly they became Freshworks yes. and then it became a platform. So it starts to hit you at a particular point in time. Uh, it's not like, in your early days, you don't feel like uh, uh, that being a platform is such a massive advantage in some way or form. But uh, as you grow larger, you start to uh, realize that the number of things that can happen on your product are so large and um, you can't do all of them. Uh, and Apple basically did that incredibly well. Salesforce did that incredibly well. Jira has done it like so well at Atlation. Uh, almost all of the companies that you are really seeing as these massive successes are all platform companies. A
0: very, very solid uh, statement, uh, I Abhinav. Mean, this makes so much of sense. Now, in, in your journey uh, from, let's say, zero to one to five million or 10 million and, and, and beyond, if you were to handpick things that have changed and and that have not changed as you know as organizational building blocks or first principles in that sense, what would be some of them?
1: So first, we are not sleeping in the cu- uh, customer office locations uh, is like a <laughs> thing that changed from $5 million to, like, uh, north of that. Uh, frankly, like, I think uh, one of the things that differentiates us in general is just the uh, level of customer obsession that we basically have. Uh, uh, um, and um, not kidding you when I say that uh, for months and months, uh, we basically just, like lived and customer offices what are your problems how do we solve them well Uh, and like everyone starting from like our developers to designers to uh, uh, like product uh, people everyone basically like did that Uh, and that just set like this incredible amount of uh, it's at some point, it gets ingrained in your into your DNA, right? So, like, we are a very customer backwards company uh, today. Like, we, would, we have, like, customer advisory boards. We have, like, uh, uh, a ton of our customers basically meeting almost every two weeks to give us, like, feedback. Every release that we do is basically first done to a customer. And unless the customer advisory board ticks it off, we don't basically release it. Uh, 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 so, there is, like, uh, that level of customer obsession that's uh, there. Now at some point you start to like systemize some of these things, right? You can't basically be expecting your large number of customers to basically be accommodating you. Like at some point, like uh, uh, people are going to say that, no, you can't basically like live, sleep uh, and uh, uh, here, uh, And neither can you basically like as an organization support that. Uh, so at some point uh, you need to start thinking about systemizing uh, things. The thing that we learned the hard way is that don't think, don't do things that you need like the next quarter or uh, the next um, uh, like month, right? Do things that you will need like uh, in a 12-month horizon. Uh, uh, And at some points, these feel like expensive things to do at the size and scale of the company that you are, but always be thinking about what are things that would be needed 12 months out. Because if you're not thinking 12 months out, you are not putting the right kind of teams and executives around your uh, organization and people who can basically carry out uh, the company in 12 months out, uh, you are always going to struggle um, uh, in general. We made that mistake, right? Like we had a ton of this. uh, uh, Initially, we felt that we could do everything like we are superhumans, and like Steve Jobs' next incarnation and like all of those things, right? Like every young entrepreneur. uh, But frankly, the team is the difference between a successful company and uh, uh, not. And we've, we've been lucky to kind of really have like, uh, uh, like we have um, CIA's uh, ex-chief technology officer as our chief technology officer. We have uh, um, like uh, uh, our chief medical officer, given that we are in healthcare, um, that's a uh, CMO means chief medical officer and not chief marketing officer officer. Uh, mm. uh, like uh, our chief medical officer basically was um, uh, the chief medical officer uh, at uh, uh, United Healthcare, which is one of the largest uh, um, healthcare insurance companies. Uh, our uh, chief medical information officer, which is a technology person and an AI futurist, uh, was the chief medical officer for IBM uh, Watson. Our, uh, our chief product officer was the chief product officer at Athena Health. Uh, our board uh, uh, members are people from Microsoft. Uh, um jonathan bush who is probably healthcare's most successful um uh, entrepreneur of all times uh, uh, and uh, people like that right so we've just collected at all points people around us uh, who we know are so much better than us like period like if you get that right you're always learning as an entrepreneur people basically start thinking that because you created the company you are somehow more important and better at doing everything than everyone else And that is like the day you start feeling that you're basically on a downhill. If you're not aligning yourself and uh, like having people around you who you know are better than you in everything that you do, you are not going to build a great business. And that's been like a very core belief. Hopefully we are successful doing that uh, over a period of time. But um, uh, like we've put like so much time and effort and energy in getting like this, world-class, rock-solid team around us uh, that can, ex- if we become like this $10 billion revenue company, like even then they are basically great.
0: Wow. No, th- this, is, this is this is such a mature thing to hear, Abhinav. Uh, but, you know, but, but very quickly, uh, you, you're talking about building this uh, team, like almost like a moon mission or something, where you, you are getting the best in the business from across, from your board to the team, executive team and so on. What do you do when you are trying to get such people uh, to be part of your journey? I I know it's it's a very very open question, but how how do you make people believe
1: that this is worth their time for such talent? Just be genuine, basically. I, I think people basically, frankly, underestimate the power of genuine intent and belief. Like if you really believe in the fact that you can change the world, you truly can. Like I think that is a Steve Jobs quote that I agree with. Uh, uh, (laughs) like uh, uh, so uh, like and people see that intent if you are genuine if you're really wanting to solve that problem people will see it because frankly like there are not a lot of genuine people like that is a trait that's very rare these days is genuine intent people and uh, um, if you are that right like when you go and pitch to like someone who is like the chief technology officer has been the chief technology officer of CIA and the chief technology officer of Kaiser. Uh, they will see that intent because they've seen the world, right? Like, uh, um, and like things of that nature would then kind of really start happening. And when, like, I went and pitched to Jonathan Bush, uh, for example, that was the same thing that he said, like, uh, uh, that you're smart and there are so many smart people, but there is so much grit and uh, genuineness about like what you guys are wanting to do. And you're really committed to the mission. Mission oriented companies will succeed in this time frame, uh, And you really need to be, when you're a founder, a CEO, or like uh, a founder uh, in any way, right? You genuinely want to believe in your mission and if you don't people are going to see that and you're not going to be able to build a fantastic team around you and if you really believe in the uh, mission i think you'll build like a great team like investors are going to see it like your colleagues are going to see it just I, and i think people under appreciate that yeah so so well said the final question abhinav uh,
0: and this is a little uh, a little philosophical if you may yeah. uh, Why are you an entrepreneur? I'm asking that question. I'll give you a little context as well. Uh, You know, I mean, in my 20 years of career, I've spoken to so many entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, some of them uh, show great uh, signs to to build a great company, an institution that kind of outlives us. And then many of them do find a different path when it comes to exit and, and, and so on. What do you have here going for 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 innovator, I mean, it looks like uh, like you said, multi-billion-dollar company uh, in value and 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 so on. So I want to understand as an entrepreneur, why are you in this, and how do you think of those issues?
1: Yeah, frankly, like when we started, we wanted to basically just do something together, right? Like uh, and. Um, I just feel like uh, that spirit of creating, uh, right, like should basically be at the heart of all entrepreneurship. Like uh, that is the truest reason you should basically be doing. Like if you really want to build uh, something and create something that is uh, so fantastically different from what exists in the world, that is probably the biggest reason why you should do like entrepreneurship. Even today, right, like uh, most of the time that I want to spend uh, is basically like, what is the next product that we can build? What is the next thing uh, that we can basically out-innovate? Like, what is the new digital service that we can launch uh, that can help patients basically uh, drive towards better outcomes? How can we basically reduce cost? What are all of these, like, cool things that we can do? So, like... That, I think, is so incredibly important to have uh, in this day and age, especially where uh, uh, you're going to be, like, if you want to be best at any uh, anything, you're probably going to be competing against a Google, Amazon, Microsoft uh ibm type of uh company these guys are basically going to be spending like billions of dollars in R- r&d in some way or form right uh, and if you want to kind of really compete that the only thing that differentiates and you can still basically be- uh, create this like incredibly large companies if that you have this like creator spirit and culture uh around uh, other company. i think Atlassian is a fantastic example like i just follow like Atlassian. Uh, so much right like they're just this fantastic example of uh, a creator culture uh, uh, right Uh, and uh, if you it stems from like the founding team right like the founding team needs to basically be that creator culture uh, mode Uh, and if you're basically that right like then it stems through the organization people start feeling that way and you'll see like uh, that percolate as culture and then like culture eats strategy for lunch uh, um, in so many different ways uh, um, and uh, um, and and that's like the in the long term that's only this that's the only sustainable mode that you can have like a creator culture That that's so well said and and i love the way you describe why you
0: are an entrepreneur you know is this 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 relentless and this kind of uh, you know uh, insatiable hunger to keep creating something new
1: right that that's amazing the last thing to that right like uh, i think if you are in that mode right it's also easier to basically build everything around you you will build great products that is one thing you will build great teams you will have people around you who are like the same mold and then it become everything becomes like you you'll think about experiences that way you'll think about customers that way and everything basically stems from that so yeah yeah
0: absolutely Abhinav. god Godspeed with what you're building i'm definitely going to keep a watch and and at least hope that uh, you know this, this is going to uh, grow much much bigger than all of us can imagine now and uh, stay well thank you so much for your time
1: yep. thanks Pankaj.